Our scripture reading this morning is Genesis 6, 9 through 14, 17, and 18. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. This is the word of the Lord for us. Well, welcome. Um, We are glad uh, that you guys are, are with us this morning. If you'll forgive me for a little bit, my voice has been strange for the past, feels like six months. Um, so uh, so just ignore it if my voice cracks quite a bit. Um, it is so good to be together this morning. Uh, we are going to be studying more of Genesis. And I really only have um, one overarching goal this morning uh, for us as we study uh, this book. Um, It is that you would see, that you would look for, and you would see God as the holy judge and the gracious redeemer. And because of that, we can trust in his promises. Again, that that you would see God as both the holy judge and gracious redeemer. And that his promises can be trusted uh, because he is our redeemer. Uh, We are in week three of a sermon series uh, on Genesis. John mentioned um, week one uh, that uh, his goal for us is that we would read through the entire book of Genesis. We're actually going to be studying the entire book of Genesis this year. This series is just the first series and a multi-part series on Genesis that we will kind of come back to periodically throughout the year. But but for you, our goal is that you would read through the book of Genesis. How many of you are going to do that? How many of you are going to read through the book of Genesis? Well, I hope that it is a good time as you read through this book that you learn a lot. Um, It is so, so important And you're like, Jeremy, why is it so, so important? Uh, You know, in our context in 2023, um, in a New Testament church, uh, the Old Testament tends to get a little bit of a bad rap in our in our churches. Uh, We I I forget I had looked up the, the amount of people that actually study the Old Testament percentage wise based on the amount of people that do actually study the Bible. And it's staggering. Most people don't actually study it. They don't find it useful. They don't find it important. Uh, So why actually study it? Well, this is really important, actually. Uh, I'm going to say, and I'm going to continue to say, that it is through a good understanding 
of the Old Testament that we see the work of Jesus in the new. And so it's so important for us to understand it. And Genesis is the same way. Threaded throughout the Old Testament and Genesis are pictures of God as our Redeemer. And and threaded through even, even parts of Scripture that we don't even think about or understand, we get pictures of the redemptive work that God is doing through us. And it's so amazing. Genesis is important. It's very important. And a few reasons why it's so important um, is because Genesis reveals to us the God who created this beautiful universe that we live in. He created all things in the earth, the birds and the, and the fish of the sea and the beasts of the field, um, everything that we see, he created. And this is so important. So in the beginning, God created. Remember that. It's important. Also, God created us. He created you and me. And he actually created very specific order when he created us. In fact, he, he gives us um, a charge. He says to be fruitful and multi- multiply, to spread his image and to subdue the earth, to harness the potential that this world has. So he gives us dominion over all the beasts in this world. It's a very specific order. God gives, uh, has, who exercises authority over us gives us authority over the beasts of the field and over this world. Remember that order. It's important. He also planted a garden. And he asked us to do one thing, or asked us not to do one thing, which is to eat of this tree. And what, a, what, a, what does man do? They eat of the tree. And they do this because they were deceived by a serpent. And so suddenly, this order that we see in Scripture is completely changed. Um, The beast of the field, through the serpent, is exercising authority over man. And man, desiring the power that the serpent is talking about, the power to be like God, eats of this tree, putting God at the bottom, putting beast at the top, and putting us in the middle. Like that is not God's design. This is a corrupted order. This is not how God created things to be. And so the order was corrupted. Remember that. That's also important. And then our relationships changed. Now we often talk about how in the Bible when we did the original or when Adam, when man did the original sin, um It changed our relationship with God. And it did. And it did. It's the most significant change, actually. But there's a few other relationships that also changed. You see, when when this happened and God was pressing Adam, hey, what, what happened? Like, what did you do? And he says what? He says, this woman that you gave me. And so all of a sudden the relationship with each other changed. And then God, because of this sin... 
curses the ground. And so our relationship with the very earth that we walk on changed. All of this because of the original sin. And it even says, um, by the sweat of our brow, we will toil away at it. So this is the summary to set the stage for us as we are studying today. God created, and he created order. Man sinned and corrupted the order. And our relationship with God is now different. Our relationship with the person that's sitting next to you is now different. And the relationship that you have with this very world is now different. And you're like, Jeremy, why are we talking about this? We already know the stories. Well, like I said, it is with a good understanding of these things that we really see the redemptive work that God is doing in this world through the life and death of Jesus as well. And for us today, as we study the flood and the life of Noah, God is doing things in this world and it is redemptive. Like he's pulling things back to himself. And I want to study the scripture with you today in hopes that you see that plan and look for moments today that reveal God as the holy judge and gracious redeemer. So, Father, as we open up your word today, would you speak to us? Father, would you work in us? Would you help us to see you for who you are? Father, a holy judge. But Father, also a gracious redeemer. Who made promises to us that we can trust because you have saved us. So Father, again, reveal yourself to us as we study. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, open it to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. We're skipping over a little bit um, this morning, and I'll give you a quick summary. Uh, it gets worse. <laughs> I mean, things get worse. Like, it just, uh, it's just, it goes from bad, and it just continues to get worse. And so that's what we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 6. By the way, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that we are together this morning. My name is Jeremy. Um, I'm one of the pastors here and just so glad to be studying God's word with you this morning. But we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. And they were the heroes of old, men of renown. Now, I want to explain a few things. I want to talk about a few things. Starting with, what is going on? <laughs> like, what is happening here? This is a bizarre chapter. These, these are bizarre verses. 
with very interesting things. And if you've never studied it before, it's going to confuse you even more as I try to explain it. It's only going to raise more questions. Uh, but I want to I just present two ways that this has been observed uh, in, in like Christian history. Uh, the first being uh, that, that the sons of God were actually um, some sort of fallen angel or heavenly being of some kind uh, that were having children with men, or with women, not with men. <laughs> um, and so they are, they are creating these things called Nephilim, which loosely translates to giants. This is a legit understanding of this passage. It's a little bizarre. Um, but there isn't really enough evidence in the rest of Scripture to say, yeah, this is for sure what it is. So, so another theory is that, that, that these were, were some sort of warlords that were, that were pressing their, their will among people and were corrupt and, and enslaving people. Uh, and so, so that's kind of another view of kind of what is happening here. Now, no matter which way you kind of look at this and say, yeah, this is what's happening, um, the main point still stands. So while this is difficult to understand, uh, I, I want us to get the significance. Um, once again, there are horrific transgressions that are taking place in God's created order. And this again brings God's judgment. The crossing of forbidden boundaries is a symptom of the underlying disease of sin. Bad things are happening. That's how we can sum it up. Bad things are happening on the earth. So let's keep reading. Verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of, of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human hearts was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and the heart and his heart was deeply troubled so the lord said i will wipe out from the face of the earth the human race i have created and with them the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for i regret that i have even made them but noah found favor in the eyes of the lord now it's hard to imagine uh, what, what is really going on. But basically, things are bad. These verses indicate how serious the situation on earth has become. God sees the wickedness in the hearts of men and women and their inclination to continually sin. Violence fills the earth in verse 11. And, a, and humankind corrupts their ways. Verse 12 is the story, or there's the story of creation has at such a low point that God decides to cleanse the world by destroying it. And with it, the human race. Through a great flood... So God gives Noah instruction um, 
of how to build an ark. And he gives them very specific measurements. And he tells them what animals to even bring on board. Um, and, uh, and it's really interesting, first of all, that he even brings on animals. Like, like why do you think that is? The interesting thing is that God brings salvation to not just humans. Like, God is in the business of restoring all things and all creation. Craig Bartholomew actually says, why take these animals into the ark? Because God is concerned for the whole of his creation, including the animals. Salvation does not stop with humankind. It embraces the whole creation. Remember the original sin. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with each other is broken. And our relationship with this world is broken. And now God is bringing all things back to himself. Now, I am aware uh, that a story uh, about God making an end to all flesh is not a pleasant thought. You know, when we see pictures of the flood and Noah and the ark, we see pictures of these cute, cuddly animals going up on this ramp into this ark. And, and, and we see just how happy, like the animals are smiling, you know, Every, everybody's happy. Like things are just really, really good. And, and, and Noah and the ark are actually one of the most well-known biblical story in the world. And not just the Christian world, but the whole world. Like, even some of the toys that depict Noah and the Ark aren't even made by Christian companies. Like, it, it is just so well known. It has been really well marketed. But I don't want to give you a picture of this story uh, that isn't really accurate. You see, you cannot really read this story without death. Which brings me to my first point. God does not tolerate sin. In this story, we get a glimpse of God's heart. Let's go back to verse 6. Verse 6 says, The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. Deeply troubled. The ESV says, it grieved his heart. And others say it broke his heart. In fact, the words that were used here actually reflect uh, the feeling of what it's like when a spouse abandons you. One of the most painful emotional things that we can endure. And in verse 11, it says that the earth was corrupt, meaning it was spoiled. It was broken. It was, it was so bad. It was spoiled. And God created man in his own image, and he asked us to, to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth with his image, and it is completely corrupted. We're supposed to be spreading his goodness and his love to all of the world. But yet here, here in this account, we see that, that evil is spreading. And it's the only thought that people have. And so the earth 
is going to be destroyed. The spoiled earth, because of man's sin, God says, I will wipe out from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. God responds to our sin as he always does with justice. We see God as the holy judge. Real quick, flip to uh, Genesis chapter 7. Uh, and I'm going to go to verse 17. I just want to walk through uh, sort of uh, towards the middle of this story uh, just to give you a glimpse of sort of what's happening. Uh, chapter 7, verse 17. I'm going to read through this um, fairly quickly. Uh, For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. Now jump down to verse 21. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swam over the earth, all mankind, everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that moved along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. Now, it's hard for us to imagine how many people died during the flood. Uh, Those are things that we would rather not focus on. Uh, Visuals that we would rather not have. It would be nicer for us to focus on Noah and the ark and the construction of it and how amazing that was and of how God saved this man with it rather than the results of the flood. That's the picture that we would rather have. Now, that's the God that we want to talk about. But the Bible gives us a much more complete picture of what's going on. A more honest picture of God as the judge and a God that rescues. What actually needs more explanation in this story is how God could have saved anyone in the world. That thought of only doing evil all the time. Everyone is falling, including Noah and his family. Now, it's difficult for us in 2023, to accept how God could have sent a flood to wipe out all flesh. But the ancients, they struggled to understand how there could even be an ark. Like, how could man, and this specific man, who is also fallen, and his family, be saved from this world? This is because God does not tolerate sin as the holy judge, but God is also our gracious Redeemer. I want you to catch something in chapter 6, verse 8. It says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Favor can also be translated to grace. Noah did not earn it, but the Lord found favor. God gives it because of his loving kindness. Noah 
was not sinless. And I know some of you are thinking, well, the very next verse says that Noah was blameless. Well, blameless does not necessarily mean sinless. Blameless can be translated many different ways. One of the ways it can be translated is that he was a man of faith. Noah was a man of faith. Simply put, Noah had faith. He walked with God, verse 9. Now, I want to start bringing this home for us today. As we consider Noah walking with God, like I mentioned earlier, I want us to remember that a good understanding of the Old Testament is a better way of seeing the new. See, until you see the bleakness of our situation, the absolute fallen nature that we have, we cannot fully understand the free gift of salvation. The free gift of grace. The corruption of sin was not removed by the flood. It has made its way to February 19th, 2023. We will not appreciate the good news of the, of the life and death of Jesus on the cross unless we fully understand the corruption of sin. In order to understand grace, we need to see how far we've fallen. The message that says, you are not doomed for destruction if you believe in Jesus Christ. If you take him at his word, and this is the biggest point of this message, God promises life. Like I said, One thing the flood did not do is wipe out sin. And God, in His goodness, offers us an ark of salvation through the life and death of Jesus. And and you know that He loves you and He cares for you. And it would be great to skip over some of the harshness of the reality of what happened here but we need to understand it in order for us to see God. Now, you know what's cool as you study the Bible? You learn things that you never knew before. Like, like there are just really cool things that you learn, even in parts that you generally skip over, like the genealogies, for example, like because you normally can't pronounce the names that are actually listed. As you study more and more, uh, you see these really cool things. Uh, There is this guy named John Corson who shared this message of the genealogy of Noah. I want you to check it out. Look at chapter 5, verse 3. And I'm just going to read the genealogies, the father and the son uh, and those sorts of things. I'm going to skip over a little bit. It says, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalel. 
When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God faithfully for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. When Lamech lived 182 years, he became a son. He, named, or, or he had a son, and he named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Now, if we take each one of those names and we get the meaning behind each one of this, it's this. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means subject to death. Kenan means sorrowful. Mehaleel means from the presence of God. Jared means one comes down. Enoch means dedicated. Methuselah means dying he shall send. Lamech to the poor and the lowly. And Noah rest. Now when you put all of these things together, this is what it reads. Man appointed, subject to death, sorrowful from the presence of God. One comes down, dedicated, dying he shall send to the poor and lowly, rest. That's the gospel. Isn't that amazing? You see, God promises Noah that he will never again flood the earth in chapter 8. And his promise can be trusted because he is our redeemer. God promised Israel a hope and a future. And that can be trusted because he is our redeemer. God can be trusted with your life. Because he works out all things for our good for his glory and he can be trusted because he is our redeemer it it may not always feel good i'm sure it wasn't fun for noah to be on an ark for for a year with two of every kind of animal but god who is our god has reached down and pulled us out of our sin through his son Jesus, an ark of salvation, who has given us freedom from sin. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Are you walking with God? He can be trusted. He is our holy judge, but he is also our gracious redeemer whose promises can be trusted because he has redeemed us through Jesus Christ. Father, this morning, thank you for your word that reveals to us the heart of God.
One that sees us in our sin, sees us in our wickedness, sees us in our brokenness, but yet still provides a way that we can be saved. Father, thank you for being that God. For loving us so much. God, you are our God. And we worship you this morning. We trust that as we walk with you, you will draw near to us. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus.